0: Good evening, welcome to A Journey Through Into Awareness. I'm one of your hosts this evening, I'm Dr. George Ann Dow, and we're here also with my dear friend and co-host, Judy Miller, and we have a wonderful guest tonight. We're very blessed. God continues to send us incredible uh, people from all different faiths, backgrounds, beliefs that are just really open-hearted individuals as all of you that choose to listen. Hopefully those of you that come each week, it's material that you can take away and carry in your heart and that it makes a difference in your lives because that's our purpose here. That's what we hope for. Although there's people we interview that have written books and that's terrific, but our main focus is not to only have people on that have books, that have written books, but that have have something to add to all of our lives, something to say here tonight. So we want to thank you again for being part of our time together tonight. And our guest this evening is Judy is going to introduce.
1: So her name is Sabine Gideon, and I know that Georgianne loves to pronounce her name as it's said in Haitian. So do you want to give it a try, Georgianne? Absolutely. (laughs) Sabine Gideon. How did I do?
2: Gideon. Well, oh,
1: <laughs> Sabine Close. Gideon. It's an absolutely beautiful name. Yes. So it's a privilege, privilege to introduce you. So after years of struggle and hurt, Sabine Gideon was prepared to take the pill she had in hand. But before she did, she directed her pain and rage at God and told him that, in fact, if he was real and didn't want her to move forward with her plans, that she needed him to prove it to her. In oh. the next moment, God himself showed up in her bedroom and wrapped his arms around her. This begins Sabine's story of transformation, which he he likens to that of a caterpillar merging into a beautiful, graceful butterfly. In her new book, Transformed, The Journey to Becoming, and we both are showing it, (laughs) Sabine chronicles what took her to such depths and how she followed that divine intervention into one of transformation. Today, having transformed herself, Sabine is the founder and CEO of Gideon Enterprises, providing coaching and consulting services to mission-driven leaders. With over 15 years' experience serving as an HR professional, coach and advisor to leaders in Fortune 100 companies, and within her own practice, Sabine has helped hundreds of professionals break through barriers, uncover or build their leadership capabilities, and experience growth in their lives, careers, and businesses. Sabine knows firsthand the amount of faith and courage it takes to break away from the norm and step into something new or bigger than ourselves. Using her personal experience, she hopes to help lead others to their unique path of purpose, impact, prosperity, and legacy. And it's such a privilege to have you here, Sabine.
2: Oh, thank you so much. I swear every time I hear pieces of that red, I'm like, oh my gosh, <laughs> who is that? She sounds cool. I want to meet her. <laughs>
1: well, we definitely want to learn more about you. So can you share with our listeners what your childhood was like and how you arrived at that moment when you wanted to end it all? It must have been a very, very dark place.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I am uh, from Haiti, as, as you shared before, uh, born there, parents born there. And, uh, migrated here when I was about four, just shy of four, um, with my dad. It was, it's four of us kids. And so it's kind of like it was a process of us coming and I was the youngest. So I guess I got my, my paperwork, uh, in early. Uh, came here and at first it was just, uh, my mother and my dad and myself. And, you know, to backtrack some of the seeds, the original seeds that actually left to that, uh, came to that point. My mother came here first um, and she she probably worked for about two years, you know, worked hard, saving up. And so those critical first few months, I think I was with her maybe three, maybe four months uh, before she left uh, to come to the U.S. And so, for the most part, you know that bonding period, that period of like really getting to know your mother, if you will. Um, I didn't have that, and it wasn't until later, you know, God revealed to me like that was that was kind of like the catalyst and the start for some of these things. So, nonetheless, came here uh, to my mother and uh, and dad, and then later on my uh, older brother, and then naturally the rest of them trickled in. Um, but during that time, you know, obviously. Parents are immigrants, they're trying to make it, working multiple jobs, um, you know, multiple occasions, or for the most part, my parents didn't trust, like, having us stay with, like, babysitters or, like, random people. Um, and so, you know, you always stayed with family. And naturally, right, you would believe that, like, putting your child with family is, like, a safe thing and a safe space uh, to, to be. However, that was not the case for me. Um, and so, you know, through these times of, of staying with family, I was sexually abused. Um, in addition to the, the sexual abuse, like outside of the home, um, certainly from the relationship with my mother, there was never this, uh, emotional bond. And, and to this day, uh, all these years later, uh, decades later, uh, there's still no emotional bond. And I don't know how much of that plays because we didn't have that attachment period, or, or well, some of it plays because we didn't have the attachment period, and some of it is just based on on who she is. Um, but nonetheless, going through that, experiencing that through childhood, um, experiencing the uh, abuse, the uh, mental, emotional, verbal abuse in the home, um, it really just it compiled. I guess, uh, luckily for me, my saving grace uh, was that I was really smart in school. Um, and so I had that as an outlet and, you know, by God's grace, I can look back and I can see the many, um, wonderful mentors that he placed in my life, like people that gave me examples of things, you know, being different. However, the, the pain, the hurt, the abandonment, the rejection, all of that still existed within me. Um, and so when I got to college, like I couldn't wait (laughs) to get out of the house naturally, uh, for many different reasons and, You know, when I got to college, again, it was the college is the time for you to find yourself right Uh, after being here. And I won't even go into the bullying and everything else that went on from school. But there was a lot of baggage there. So by the time I left college, started school, started uh, my full time job. Outwardly everything looked great, right? I was the person who, you know, I had it. My own apartment, I had my own car. Um, you know, I was doing my career based on what I went to school for. So outwardly there was this uh image of success. There was this image of having it all together. And naturally, I guess I, I don't know where that confidence came, but I walked around like I had this great deal of confidence even though, you know, inside this little girl was broken and insecure, and it got to a point where about mid-20s, about 25, um, a series of events took place in a very, very short period of time that left me at this place of finally seeing my brokenness. Um, You know, in the past, I had been able to, um, I guess, uh, avoid it (laughs) or deflect it with work or my career or um, you know, friends, like there were all these distractions and I was left in this place. And I, I do believe that it was God's, um, you know, working where I had to look at myself. And when I looked at myself, I remember it vividly looking at myself in the mirror and realizing or coming to the realization that I didn't love me. And it was in that moment, like, that was kind of like the, <laughs> that, that was like the, the, Uh, breaking of the dam, if you will, the initial breaking of the dam, where I realized I didn't love me. And the more I thought about the fact that I didn't love myself, I realized that, okay, no one loves me. There was no evidence. As I looked for evidence of like, okay, who loves me? Who has shown me love? It certainly wasn't in my household. Um, It wasn't in my friendships. It wasn't in my relationships. And here I was sitting with the realization that I was unlovable. So it was those thoughts, those beginning thoughts of, no one loves you, you don't love yourself, right? And that I, I don't know how to explain it. So I, you know, I, I liken this to, you know, probably close to schizophrenia. Um, and I don't mean to make light of that, but that's that's the, you know, that's the language that I have for this. But from the moment that I would wake up to the moment I went to bed at night, and granted, you know, I worked my full time job and I had my part time job still. Um, all I heard was the negativity. No one loves you. You're, you know, you're ugly. You're this, you're that. It was just constant uh, barrage of negativity all day long. There would be moments where I'd be able to like, sh- you know, turn it off, if you will, temporarily to get work done. But that's all I heard. And this was months of this going on. And, you know, again, I've always had, <laughs> you know, critical thoughts or whatever. Yeah. I didn't think anything of it. Um, but this led to the point where I was just like, okay, I don't love me. All these things are true. I was expecting, I was accepting all of these voices and all of these critical thoughts to the point where I was just like, well, what's the point in being here? Mm -hmm. Um, and so because my part-time job was at a pharmacy and I had access to, you know, the, the medication that was there. I concocted this plan plan in my head of how I was going to end things. Um, and I had my date set, like the planner in me <laughs> was still active. I had my date set. I had, you know, how I was going to do this, what I was going to take specifically. And the night before my night, my big day, I should say, um, you know, I decided to clean my house. Like I had my paperwork, like it when they found me.
0: It's okay. <laughs> it's okay. You're doing great.
2: Yeah. Usually I can tell the story and, and be okay. It's okay. okay. But...
0: <laughs> it's okay. Um, you're doing great. Thank you. Um, Sabine, you're an incredibly brave and beautiful young woman. It takes a lot of courage to share this story. You give so many people listening hope and a voice where they can take a look at themselves because most people have some sort of this dynamic that has gone on in their childhood, and they have not scratched the surface. So certainly you have. Certainly you have. And, you know, I have an imagination what broke the dam. Mm -hmm. When you got out of school, and you were doing everything that you could prove yourself as being lovable and all of that, and in doing all that you told yourself that you were approving of yourself and feeling good about yourself. One or two things started happening at work, which started chipping away that dam. Mm. And um, you were starting to see those feelings emerge because those feelings and memories will never leave you. Right. They're always there. It's just that we learn to navigate them differently and we repeat them. There's something I want to ask you about what you said towards the end of your book about your mother, but I would love if you wouldn't mind to continue um, where you were going
2: yeah, thank, thank you, you for, for that your courage uh, thank you for that um and so, as I you know was preparing, I decided, let me have a conversation with God about what I plan to do as if you know he somehow wasn't aware um, and it just started out with all of the negativity, like right? Like I I was angry, I was hurt, I was broken. I couldn't understand why, you know, this quote unquote God, um, and granted I had grown up Catholic, like I went through Catholicism, I went through all that. So there was a underlying belief, right? But not a real true, like, okay, I know that he's real. Um, And so as I was talking to him and expressing everything, one of the things that I said was I could endure more If I knew that there was a reason to this, I I would stay if there was purpose.
0: This is too important for me to interrupt. I want to hold this because we need to take a quick break. Would you be willing to continue when we come back?
2: Absolutely. Thank you
0: for being so generous and so gracious. We will be right back with the journey through into awareness and our lovely woman of courage this evening, Sabine.
2: Jereon.
0: (laughs) we'll be right back thanks for joining
3: us tonight have you ever thought of reinventing yourself are you looking to create a new life's journey hi i'm kevin barborough host of coffee talk excel every tuesday night live 8 p.m eastern on talkradio.nyc tune in live to hear me and my guests from a variety of different backgrounds As a former college coach and a current full-time actor and owner of multiple companies, my show is as eclectic as my life. That's Coffee Talk XL every Tuesday night, 8 p.m. on TalkRadio.NYC.
4: Are
0: you interested in having a better relationship with yourself, others, and God? Greetings. I'm your host, Dr. George Andow, for the show, A Journey Through Into Awareness. On my show... We journey into the awareness that the mind of God is the true seat of our personal consciousness. We join together each Monday at 7 p.m. So tune in on Talk Radio NYC.
5: Are you a conscious co-creator?
0: back to a journey through into awareness. And for those of you just joining us, we're here, your guests, Judy Miller and Dr. George Dem, and our lovely super guest tonight, Simone Gillian.
1: So, Sabine, Sabine, can you you pronounce it one more time for us? Because we're going to get it perfectly by the end of this show.
2: You are so soft G. Gideon. Gideon. Yeah. Gideon.
1: And that is a beautiful name. So can you please continue? Yes, can I'm you sorry. please continue your story for us?
2: <laughs> Absolutely. Um, so I was sharing that, you know, the night before my ask of God was, um, two things. One, to show me that he was real and to show me that my life had purpose. Um, that there was, there was a reason for all the pain. Um, that it wasn't just in vain, and it wasn't just some cruel joke. Um, so, in that moment, as I, you know, cried out, as I poured out all of the, you know, negative stuff that I had been carrying for years, uh, I felt. This is what I liken it to. I just felt the arms of God wrap Himself around me and prior to that like i mentioned you know i i went through the motions of of believing but i never really truly believed mm-hmm. and i i just lay there and i sobbed um i woke up the next morning with this confirmation if you will that okay god is real and i have a purpose and just like that you know <laughs> woke up from the floor and abandoned you know my plans to end it because I cried out to him and he answered. And not only did he answer, but he responded in the way that I needed in that moment. Mm -hmm. Um, And so from that moment on, it was, okay, I have a purpose. And God is real. I need to know who he is. If he's the one who's created me, right? Uh, The the logic in my mind was, then Mm -hmm. I need to understand who he is, what he said. And I remember from my classes, like, okay, Christ is God in human form. So I needed to learn about Christ. And that's when I started reading um, the Bible for real uh, and learning, uh, yes.
1: Sabine, before you go too far in, um, one of the things that really bonds Georgianne and I is that we had the opportunity to really experience the love of God and Jesus and the universe. And when you said that, um, you know, God came and wrapped his arms around you, for those who've never experienced it, can you tell us what that feels like?
2: Ooh. Um,
0: it's, Judy it's and I a, have experienced it. Yeah. We have. And we'd like to just know your, what you have to say about it. We It's difficult to explain because it's not an actual, you're not seeing a person.
2: Yeah.
1: It's a but sense. Also, but also for our listeners yes, um, of course. who may not have.
2: Yeah. Um, Feeling-wise, like physically, it felt like the warmth of like a father's hug, right? But I would almost liken it to like when you swaddle a baby, right? Mm-hmm. And you just wrap them in. Like it was just this overwhelming um, comfort, comforted feeling Um,
0: would you call it love?
2: Yeah, it was warmth. There was warmth. There was compassion. Um, yeah, which is probably why I sobbed like a baby. (laughs) I just felt like someone just came from behind and just, it's going to be okay. Um, that's the best way to describe it.
1: You know, it's interesting that you describe it that way. When I described it to Georgian, I told her it was almost like every possible definition or sensation of love that just moved through me. Compassion, forgiveness, um, gratitude. It was just yes. everything.
2: And yeah.
0: that's what I had too. And, can, and still in moments, because it's a grace,
3: mm-hmm. it's
0: a grace to experience that. We can ask God for it and God will give it to us at some point, but in God's time, but it's definitely gift and grace. We can't make it happen. We can't make it happen. And you speaking about your relationship with the Lord, many people know about Jesus, but they don't have a relationship with Jesus. Many people know of their God, but they don't have a relationship with their God. And that's nothing, nothing for me to say. It's a very individual thing. But until we definitely have a relationship and feel that presence... Um, there's a there's something with us that gets in the way because us asking where God is is like a fish asking where the water is. It's always present. We're never without or beyond our experience of God, right?
1: Mm-hmm. And Sabine, you know, just to follow up with what George Ann was saying, as, as well as what you were saying, you know, oftentimes people experience the presence of God in their darkest moments. Why do you think that
2: is? Yeah. Um, that's a really great question. <laughs> I think because we're stubborn, right? As people, we have, we have free will, right? We can do whatever we want. And I, I guess I'll speak for myself. I, will, I won't broaden it, but I was stubborn. Um, And it took my complete surrenderance. Um, I believe it took my complete surrenderance for me to, Create the space to see him. Um, you know, I, I think about that moment, right? Like, if, as I look back, it's just like all I saw was darkness. Before that moment, all I saw was darkness. All I knew was darkness. And it was just that glimmer of light, right? Like to, to shift things for me. And so I, I almost, how can I put this? I almost wonder, right, if, if at any point I was ever really going to do it. And I only say that because now knowing who God is and knowing how much he loves me and how much he like cares for me, like I can't even fathom that that would have actually happened. Um, I think in that moment, because I surrendered, right, up until I said, just show me your real and give me your purpose. <laughs> it was, it was. Different words. (laughs) I was using different words and I was in a different mindset. But when I finally surrendered and was just like, I just want to know you're real.
0: Yeah. And scripture talks about that, that we need to really need God's help. It makes sense that this would be so for you because you grew up not being able to trust anyone. So how could you, you know, long to surrender? We all have resistances, Sabine.
2: Yeah. Yeah. It's funny that you say that because that that was probably the the biggest challenge, even in my relationship, learning how to have a relationship with God because I had no, no human examples of that.
0: Yes. And your mother had to love you very much because so much of our development takes place in the womb. She had to love you very much for you to be able to even consider surrendering somewhere she had to love you in the womb when she was carrying you somewhere, but you, you had that capacity to know that you weren't surrendering and that you needed to, that comes from somewhere. God will use what he has to work with, but that came from somewhere.
1: And Sabine, I think towards the back of your book, um, one of the things that you mentioned is, it's not that your mother didn't love you, but maybe she didn't know how to love you.
2: Yes. yeah. Um, so it's inter- interesting that Dr. Georgianne said that. Um, so I think, as I cycle analyze my mother over the years, and as Holy Spirit has given me revelation, you know, I share that um, prior to my birth, uh, my second oldest brother, he was a twin and um his twin died stillborn and then shortly after that she had another child and um like at one around one ish like he fell sick out of nowhere and on the way to the hospital he died in her arms Mm. and so you know i i know right but based on uh facts and just based on what he's revealed to me like she endured a lot of trauma right and so having another child on the heel of that because i was literally she yeah she would have been pregnant with me when that um that other child died so Mm -hmm. on the heel of that she she was not in the mindset or in the place Mm -hmm. of i'm now going to have another child Mm -hmm. um and secondly she had had all boys and so i was the girl and so i do believe that there were there were things within her that because of what she's endured and what she's experienced, wouldn't have allowed her to, um, to love me in the manner or to demonstrate it in the manner in which she could have had probably these other things not happened to yeah, her. Absolutely. Um, And then, you know, just growing up, like it was, it was evident, like you, you know, when someone is not showing you love, like I had examples from friends of how like their, their mother, you know, treated them or how they were with their mother. And that was never my situation, but I observed how she treated my eldest brother. And so there was a very drastic difference between how she showed love, like demonstrated love for him versus how she, Tolerated me. Um, So, yeah.
0: Well, you were the girl. So she related to you from her unconscious, you see. And she treated you like she was treated.
2: Pretty much.
0: But she saw the boy's favorite growing up. Yeah. We all repeat until we're in treatment and then we can crack it open and take a look. You know, when we think about women, I don't know how old your mom is, but when we think about women, women for the most part, never really had a choice as to whether or not I wanted to have babies or not back then. They just thought it was what you did. You had children and you continued on and you, but they never thought about should I or shouldn't I? And many situations like you're speaking of, as to being with mom, um, pregnancy after pregnancy and not feeling like they had a voice and who knows if they even did They were obviously abused somewhere for them to repeat that, which you talk about in your book. Um, Think about the frustration, the resentment and the anger. It doesn't take away your pain, right? And it's very important for everyone to look at their individual journey, but our moms, think about the resentment they must've had getting pregnant after pregnancy after pregnancy with maybe not wanting to be a mom that many times and feeling like they
2: didn't have a voice. Or a choice. Yeah, that's that's probably what's allowed me to forgive her, um, you know, uh, for all these things. Right. It's because I recognize uh, I can empathize with where she was. Um, right. I don't hold any you know ill feelings, but it doesn't change the fact that like this no. was my that's experience.
0: Right. Absolutely. And your experience was real for you. And that's where your work with God is for sure so we're going to very very interesting conversation thank you again uh, sabine for you tonight and we're going to t- and thank you for all of you and for you my judy and we'll, <laughs> and we'll take a quick break it's always fun to laugh and have fun we'll take a great uh quick break we'll be right back
4: do you feel so uninformed about menopause and how it impacts on your life
0: Welcome back to A Journey Through Into Awareness. We're so happy you're here with us. I'm sure so, there's some of you out there that think oh, she's just so gooey, right? It's so like silly. <laughs> I can only be me. But right? can only is be just, us, right?
1: Georgian right? is, is just so full of love. <laughs> I am. I really
0: am. I've been this way since I was little.
1: Anyway. <laughs> so, <laughs> So Sabine, right before the break, you were talking about uh, with Georgian about the importance of forgiving your mom. And I just thought it was just a perfect segue because I know that one of your favorite quotes is, to err is human, to forgive is divine. So what is your definition of forgiveness and why is it so important? And especially who have you had to forgive in the
2: course of your life?
0: (laughs) Everybody. (laughs)
2: Everybody. (laughs) (laughs) You know, it's funny. I think the first person that through this, this process or this journey, um, you know, after my, my encounter with God was my father. He was the very first person that God led me to, um, to forgive. And at the time, I used to say, no, I was someone who held grudges. I held grudges. Um, <laughs> but my way of like not showing it was just like, okay, I don't think about the person or I just let it go. But I feel like I believe God allowed me to forgive my father first because he's my earthly father, right? And so in being able to really develop a relationship with God, like I had to start there first. And so my father, you know, obviously he he was in my life like a double household or two family household, um, but he wasn't, uh, he was there, but he wasn't. And you know, my father's definition of love was, hey, I provide for my family. What I do behind, beyond that is, you know, irrelevant. And again, I understand it's generational, like the, the parenting that they experienced was a lot different. Um, and so I probably had like the most Americanized upbringing, uh, than all of my siblings just because I came here so early. Um, so I had different expectations, uh, than what, you know, they were used to. So I started with forgiving my dad. Um, not because not because he did anything wrong but mostly because i feel like how can i put this there was a part there were parts of me that felt like he wasn't there and again for yeah. many reasons he wasn't he lived in the house but he wasn't there emotionally right. um and the person that i expected to like protect me or to defend me especially when it came to My mother to any, you know, to other things, like he didn't do that. And so there was apparently a lot of resentment, um, that I had towards him because of that. Uh, once dad was forgiven, or the first layer of my relationship with dad was forgiven, uh, then I moved on to, believe it or not, then I moved on to my cousins, um, and my siblings, the ones who, um, who abused me, uh, in forgiving them, right? Understanding somewhere, Somewhere, this didn't, this didn't just happen to me, right? Somewhere along the lines, there was, there was evidence of this in their lives. Um, and you then, trans- moment,
0: before you forgave them, were you able to experience the hate, anger you felt towards them?
2: You know what? Even to this day, believe it or not, I've never felt hate or anger, um, even when I. It, when I wrote the book, that's when I realized that I was holding on to a lot of guilt and a lot of shame, and I still blamed myself. Um, I still believed that, like, I I somehow allowed that to happen. How about now? Um, How about um, now? Okay, now I know better. <laughs> now I know better, but I still. Yeah, I don't I don't have like hatred or animosity towards them. Like we don't we don't need to to connect, we don't need to talk. You don't need to be in my life, but I don't have any hatred or animosity. Um so yeah, started with them. Actually, my mother was like the the last person in in the line if you will that I was able to or that I was led to start forgiving and I was only able to do that the more that I learned about her story, the more that I understood um, and it was a way of me, like I was able to forgive her because I could empathize with her.
1: You know, it's interesting. One of the things that you said is you gained your power back by letting go of the power that the past had over you.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, one of the things, and you know, we hear it all the time, right? Forgiveness mm-hmm. is not about the other person, it's about right. you. Yeah. Um, there is such freedom in forgiveness. I cannot even begin to explain um, the weight. I felt there was so much blaming um, that I was experiencing at the time, right? It was like, everyone does this to me, everyone did this, everyone, like it was very victimized. And when you live in a state of always feeling victimized, you feel like you have no power, which is why you know it was easy for me to just be like, okay, well, it's time to check out. Um, but I gained my power back when I stopped giving it to everyone else because of what they did. Um, it, it, it gave me this, um, the strength, if you will, mental, mental, emotional, and spiritual strength through forgiveness of other people.
1: So Sabine, how do you actually forgive someone?
2: Yeah, that's a great question. Um, I've experienced it in many different ways, right? There's the obvious, you know, verbally, right? Like I forgive this person and there's, you know, there've been moments where I've been like, God, If there's anything in me that holds any resentment, any hatred, any whatever, right? Through prayer, asking God, like, I release it. I release it. Um, There was this one point in my life, actually not too long ago, maybe about three or four years ago, where I wrote letters to my mother, my father, my eight-year-old self and God, um, because I had to forgive God too. And in writing those letters, I was able to release everything that I was holding on to. And, you know, this is now years and years after like healing, and I still had stuff there. Um, there are still times where I find myself, you know, drudging things back up and having to say, I let go of that. Um for me, the I guess the the reality of forgiving people is to say it's to say it, right? That's one piece. I don't hold it against you. Um I've found that when I have been in that place of true forgiveness and surrender, I will go from okay, God, I forgive such and such for something, right? And when it's earnest, I find myself then praying for that person. I find myself then, you know, um appealing to God to, to help them for whatever it was that they did to me. Right. Like asking God for wisdom and earnestly praying for that person, even though they may have done me wrong. Um. So that's how I like, that's my personal thing of how I know, okay, you've beautiful. released it because mm-hmm. now I can have compassion and grace towards that person. Mm-hmm. Beautiful. That is beautiful.
1: That's beautiful. Mm-hmm. Sabine, you mentioned that love. Um, you know, the love for God and Christ has been such an anchor in your life. Mm -hmm. For people who don't have God and Christ in their life, is there a way for them?
2: Oh my gosh. Yes. I, you know, I think about, think about my life, right? Like my life is one thing, but I think about last year, you know, what so many of us, well, the entire globe endured, right? In a time of crisis and a time of panic and a time of fear and a time of anxiety And that was my earnest prayer. Oh my gosh, that God would come, that people would come to know you. Um, You know, I know that there are many different schools of thoughts of how, you know, people want to identify God or identify, you know, their source or their creator. And, you know, obviously I respect that. Um, But, you know, biblically, uh, Dr. Georgian, you can attest to this, you know, Christ says, I am the truth, the way, and the light. Um, For me, even in that moment, even though I had gone through, um, what do you call it, all of the Catholicism classes and whatnot, it was s- stating, it was verbally accepting Christ into my heart and into my life that opened that doorway. Um, And even then, I can't even say that, oh my gosh, my life changed. It's been through this process of getting yes. to know him and allowing him to direct me, allowing him to let me let the past go so that I can, you know, um, move forward in my life. So it, it's a process. It's not a one time thing. It starts with that confession um, yes. that Christ is is God in the flesh and that He came to save us. Um, but it's also a lifetime journey.
0: Yes, I love how you quoted from. You used this the uh, biblical story from Genesis. Yeah. I love that story of Joseph and his brothers. Mm-hmm. Um, I just want to get the address here real quick so people can maybe. Do you know the address offhand? I'm not bad with I'm not good with that. It's Genesis 41,
2: it's, I don't wanna say.
0: Yes, I believe it is. Genesis 41. Um, read that and and you and those list, those listening, you might want to read that because it's very much in kin with what Sabine has gone through and how she felt. And it is an incredible, um, incredible story. And true, it's historic, Mm -hmm. as well as it has so much depth of psychological meaning as all of scripture does, certainly the New Testament. But um, there's so much I wanna say um, to you, Sabine. So, You say, we have a couple of minutes before our next break, Um, you speak of your grandmother
4: Mm -hmm.
0: giving birth, because this summed it up for me as a psychoanalyst now. You spoke of your, that I want to address after the break, your grandmother gave birth to your
2: mother's brother. No. um, What What did I get wrong? My... My grandmother's uh, or my mother's father is a relative, a close relative, a cousin of my grandmother.
0: That's right. So there was sexual incest within the family, which which says so much um, just about the original sin and what gets passed down in families. And we all have these pieces. We all have these pieces. The only difference is, is those of us that become aware of it and deal with it. Otherwise, we go through life like shackles on our ankles, dragging it around. Mm. We'll be right back. We look forward to returning. We'll see you in a minute. Thank you.
4: Are you passionate about the conversation around racism?
0: Welcome back to a journey through into awareness. Um, You know, Sabrina, I was thinking at the break that that all the experiences you had and the one with your grandmother—you were forced to keep family secrets, which made things triply difficult. You know, unconsciously sometimes there's an energy in the family that one of the children or more are forced to be to be keeping um, Mm -hmm. the family costume jewelry, um, you know, those pieces that are not meant to be spoken of. And that's very, very dangerous for the one being called to carry
2: it. Yeah, it's interesting. It's um, like, you know, throughout your childhood, right? Like you hear things, you hear bits and pieces, right? And it's never like clear and there's, it seems so normal. Um, and so it wasn't until this process of writing this book, like all of that revelation around the incest and how far back it went and all these memories of things that had been said throughout the time, like that's when it all came flooding back. And I was just like, ah, okay, this, this makes sense. And so I recalled and I don't, I must have repressed this, but when I uh, had experienced, um, you know, the sexual abuse at seven, uh, after several times, I told my mother. Um, I At some point, I had forgotten that I had ever told her because in my mind, I was just like, I've never told anyone. And I remembered actually, yeah, I did tell her. And when I told her, she didn't confront them. Uh, she didn't confront the boys necessarily. But I do remember getting in trouble in the sense of like, it was, okay, you're not going there anymore. And it was it was a very harsh um, reaction towards me versus like, hey, this is what they did. And so I think in that moment, I, the the thought of, okay, my mother doesn't believe me or she's not gonna do anything, that part got repressed. And it wasn't until I was writing the book and I was like, oh my gosh, yeah. I did tell her. And she did just ignore it.
0: Well, yeah, that's very, that's, you know, I'm hearing that on some level, um, just out of that piece. um, How could you, uh, again, trust anyone, uh, believe that someone was going to be there for you um, and feel safe?
2: Yeah.
0: You're a remarkable young woman.
2: (laughs) by God's grace. (laughs) Yes,
0: we all are by God's grace.
1: Sabine, um, you know, the name of my book is called Perfect. And the reason is, is because on my journey, I realized that everything is divinely orchestrated. And one of the things that you talked about in your book is that everything in your life was in service of your purpose in life. Can you talk a little bit about that?
2: Yeah, most of that is still uncovering or is still being uncovered, to be completely honest. But when I think about what God has showed me about my life up until this point, right? There, um, statistically, like I shouldn't be here, right? There's there's so many reasons why I should not be here. Statistically, there should be other things happening. But when I wrote that book, and particularly as I was led to, um, to release that prayer that I released in the back of the book, it was a declaration, um, if you will, of, I was drawing the line in the sand, right? So all of what the generations before me had experienced, had endured, like I was the chain breaker. Um and I was particularly sent into that family and and while it does it may not make sense that like, you know, I was ordained to experience all of the stuff, I do believe that I was ordained to experience all of the stuff so that I could be the one to turn around and break that cycle. Um, you know, break that cycle of uh, being having children out of wedlock, break that cycle of incest, break that cycle of you know poverty, break that cycle of so many things. There, I, that I, I truly believe that like that's part of my purpose. I, most of it is still being uncovered, but in that moment, I just knew that I I was the one that was called to expose it and to draw that line in the sand, so that when I have children and my children's children, they will never experience that. Like beautiful. it's it's done.
0: Beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. God didn't create any of what you experience as a child, right. at all. God, right. Just, right, not at all. But God used it. Exactly. Okay. I exactly. Make that clear for everyone that God doesn't create these things.
1: And Sabine, also, um, you know, many indigenous cultures believe that when we heal, we heal seven generations back and seven generations forward. So you weren't just doing it for yourself, you were doing it for all of your ancestry.
2: Yeah. And it's amazing because even as a child, I always felt like I was the one <laughs> regardless of what that meant, right? Like I was the one and I I, I attributed it to like, I was going to be the one, you know, to go to school, to go to college and, you know, like break us out of poverty. Like my limited mindset only saw my purpose through monetary stuff, which is where all of the achievement and proving and all of that stuff came. But it wasn't until this moment where it was just like, actually, no, it's, it's so much more than that. It's, it's, it's deeper than that. But I had never heard of the seven generations um, before and the seven generations after. Like that, that gives me even more, um, peace and, and just want to honor God even more. Cause that's, that's a huge, um, that's a huge gift.
1: Mm-hmm. So Sabine, you're a very special person and we can talk to you for hours, but we just want to let our listeners know how they can connect with you, how they can learn more about you and how they can actually work with you.
2: Yeah, absolutely. So, um, I have a group here on Facebook as well, Uh, or on Facebook, it's called the Tribe of Courageous Leaders. Um, And my, you know, uh, Dr. Georgianne used the word courageous or courage uh, several times. And I truly believe that if we are ever going to fully step step into and operate in purpose, that it's gonna require courage. Um, You know, so much of what we do and so much of what we see as highlight moments for people, um, they did it with the fear, they did it with the doubt, they did it with the insecurity. And so my focus is really, or my message is really like, yes, you can push through and you can ac- accomplish anything with courage. And so that's what we talk about there. Um, you know, you can always connect with me on my website at sabinegideon.com. And, and certainly LinkedIn is another place that I hang out at as well.
0: Yes, and consider getting her book. It's a great, it's a great little read, but it's power packed with a lot of very um, depthful, um, heartfelt connection to the wound, the trauma and the courage it takes to go through. And Sabine uses a beautiful metaphor of the butterfly, um, you know, and the cocoon and what it takes for the butterfly to move through that process from caterpillar to the butterfly. And, um, Sabine, I'm sure you know this, that um, uh, in order for the uh, butterfly, once the butterfly comes out of the cocoon, it has very thin uh, membrane attached to it. And there's a story where a woman saw it and her heart went out because she felt like the butterfly was going to die because it was flapping its wings and then collapsing, flapping its wings and collapsing. And she went and got a little manicure scissor and cut it and the butterfly died. Because the butterfly has to strengthen its wings by breaking that little thread on its own. So we're all called to pray for the grace of courage and fear, F-E-A-R, false evidence appearing real. False evidence appearing real. So we want to thank all of you for joining us. Those of you that join us every week, we're so grateful. And we always hope, as I said in the beginning, that what we bring to you is a takeaway that touches your life. Sabine, would you like to end in prayer?
2: Oh, absolutely. So
0: we have a minute. Would you say the prayer?
2: I sure will. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this time. We thank you for this opportunity to come together to reveal you and to reveal your glory. I thank you, Lord God, for everyone who is tuned in, everyone who will tune in, Lord God. Allow your grace and your glory, Lord God, to be upon them, Lord God. Allow your hand of blessing, Lord God, to touch them wherever they are, Lord God. In the name of Christ Jesus, we ask these things. And I thank you, Lord God, for bringing Dr. George and Judy into my life, Lord God. I ask that you would bless them immensely, Lord God, that you would allow the work of their hearts and their hands, Lord God, to manifest, Lord God, and to multiply in doing your work, Lord God. We ask these things in Christ's name. Amen.
0: Amen. Beautiful. Amen. Thank
2: you. You're an angel. <laughs> Keep our phone angel. numbers
0: and stay in touch.
2: Absolutely. Thank okay. you so much for having me.
1: Oh, it's It's an absolute pleasure.
0: Yeah. And thank you, those behind the scenes that make this show possible for us. And we look forward to seeing you next week. We have another uh, show next week that we think and we hope will touch your hearts. Good
1: night. Good night. Good night.
3: Have you ever thought of reinventing yourself? Are you looking to create a new life's journey? Hi, I'm Kevin Barbaro, host of Coffee Talk XL every Tuesday night, live, 8 p.m. Eastern on talkradio.nyc. Tune in live to hear me and my guests from a variety of different backgrounds. As a former college coach and a current full-time actor and owner of multiple companies, my show is as eclectic as my life. That's Coffee Talk XL every Tuesday night, 8 p.m. on talkradio.nyc.